stable and prosperous China is a blessing to the world. Whenever the United States introduces a new policy to suppress China, people will complain about China's foreign policy and say it should continue to keep a low profile and don't turn against the United States. But on the issues of Hong Kong, Taiwan, South China Sea, Huawei, how should China maintain a good relationship with the United States? How to keep a low profile? Imagine, someone ran to your house and held a knife on your neck. Are you still going to keep a low profile and maintain a good relationship with the robber? In fact, the answers to these questions can be found in history. I can tell you clearly that the 1980s and 1990s were China's recognized period of hiding our capacities and biding our time. So did the United States let China go? No. From the early 1980s to the mid-1990s, the United States' GDP was more than 10 times that of China, and its military expenditure was more than 30 times that of China. The United States still launched a color revolution against China. In 1987, China announced a major disarmament and laid off 1 million soldiers. During the 14 years from 1986 to 1998, China's annual military expenditure grew at a bare minimum. It is against this background that the United States still tries to suppress and isolate China and regards China as a threat. It is also looking for an excuse to provoke disputes in the Taiwan Straits and send in its aircraft carriers. In 1995 and 1996, when the Sino-US confrontation was the most intense, yet China's trade surplus had exceeded more than 10 billion US dollars. In 1997, the Southeast Asian financial crisis broke out, but China has since entered the real fast lane of development, accelerating the transfer of the global industrial chain into China. What do I mean by this? This means that although many people are worried about the extreme suppression of the United States as entrepreneurs and investors with a historical perspective, they should predict with real historical trends, in other words, the stronger Chinese geopolitical control over the Taiwan Strait and the surrounding areas of the South China Sea, the more competitive is the Chinese market, not the other way around. Recently, U.S. Secretary of Defense Espa said that in the South China Sea, in order to defend freedom, the United States must speak with strength. But the problem is that China has never hindered the freedom of navigation in the South China Sea. China delineated the Nine Dash Line in the South China Sea 70 years ago. At that time, no country raised any objections. Throughout Southeast Asia, history has repeatedly proved that only a powerful China can create a stable and prosperous business system that makes the whole region global competitive. Many people may not understand this. I can say that all the misfortunes in Asian history were caused by the decline of China, because once China declines, the surrounding areas will be basically consumed by cannibalism or invaded by foreign power. 
Without a strong China in the Indochina Peninsula, there may be no countries such as Laos and Cambodia, because they will soon be annexed by Vietnam. After Vietnam annexed Cambodia in 1980, it began to attack Thailand. It was not until 1988 that Vietnam announced its withdrawal from Cambodia, and the Thai-Vietnam War was declared over. The Sino-Vietnamese War at that time contained Vietnam's aggression against its neighboring countries. Another example is the Indian subcontinent. When India dismembered Pakistan, annexed Sikkim, founded the Sri Lanka Civil War and looked forward to the Myanmar, where was the United States? Had it not been for China to help, Pakistan might be gone and Sri Lanka might still be in the midst of endless war. Therefore, having a strong China is the blessing of the entire Southeast Asian countries. It is precisely because of China's reform and opening up that the entire Southeast Asian region has returned to its historically normal level. What is the historically normal level? It is that Southeast Asia occupies half of the global trade and has become the focus of the global economy again. Suppose that China lost the Korean War 70 years ago and did not take active measures against the expansion ambitions of India and Vietnam. The entire Southeast Asia would most likely be the frontier of offensive of the United States, which may be worse than Eastern Europe and the Middle East. Do you know how are Eastern Europe and North Africa doing now? Ukraine is preparing for the war with Russia. In Libya, a new world war is being staged. The United States, Germany, France, Italy, Greece, Turkey, Russia, Egypt are all directly participating in the war or supporting their own proxy agents. And how is Southeast Asia doing now? According to the data just released, the total trade volume between ASEAN and China increased by 5.6% year-on-year, reaching a total of 287.8 billion US dollars more than 70 billion US dollars higher than the total trade volume between China and the United States. Seeing that other regions are in the midst of war, while Southeast Asia is busy doing business, the United States can't stand it anymore. So it changed its original neutral attitude to the South China Sea issue and began to completely deny China's claims. According to the logic of the United States, what does its Indo-Pacific strategy mean? You may have noticed that India is in border conflicts with China, Pakistan, Nepal, Myanmar, but the United States just supports India. Recently, it has also begun to explicitly pressure Pakistan, including cancelling aid, revoking Pakistan Airlines' direct flight to the United States. The Indian government is implementing a new citizenship law that excludes Muslims, continues to crack down on aliens, and Modi committed crimes against humanity in Gujarat earlier. But the United States has ignored them all. Why? Because India has a border conflict with China, the United States has finally found an opportunity to mess up China's surrounding areas. The same applies to the South China Sea. 
On the one hand, China will defend its sovereignty. On the other hand, it will never allow the United States to create various confrontations and turn the neighboring countries against each other. Once Chinese forces withdraw, the end result is that the entire Southeast Asia will lose development opportunities. I would like to ask, if you are an investor, would you invest in Libya now? But a lot of international capital is pouring into Southeast Asia. This is the result of the stability of the South China Sea. Many people say that the United States, the European Union, Japan, etc. are now investing in Vietnam. There are three main reasons. One is the entire Southeast Asian industrial chain established by China, which is Vietnam's biggest advantage. The second is that under China's firm will to maintain the regional situation, Vietnam can only develop its economy and not territorial expansion, which makes Vietnam have to focus on economic construction and creating a better business environment. The third is that Vietnam is learning from China's reform and opening model from all aspects, which allows many investors to see a shadow of China's stable regime and service system from Vietnam and confident for a long-term return on investment. It is precisely because China does not hesitate to defend the development interests of mankind and does not hesitate to say no to the hegemony of the United States. That is why global companies have a stable expectation of the entire Southeast Asia. If we look at the data in the recent past, whether it is US attack on China on the issue of the coronavirus or the provocations against China in areas such as Hong Kong's national security law and the South China Sea. Not only has it not affected the historical trend of economic development, but also it did not affect the choices of many entrepreneurs and investors. For example, China not only is the largest trading partner of the United States, but also the investment of American companies in China increased by 6% in the first half of the year. It is important to know that China's overall foreign investment in the same period fell by 1.3%. In addition, since the introduction of the Hong Kong national security law, Hong Kong's capital has not only not flooded out, but has been increasing. In order to simulate the flight of Hong Kong capital, the United States and the United Kingdom exaggerated the influence of Hong Kong's national security law and created a sense of insecurity in Hong Kong. The United Kingdom even provided the right of a boat for 3 million Hong Kong people. What I want to say is, how many Syrian refugees has the UK accepted? When the Indian government promulgated a new citizenship law that discriminated against 200 million Muslims in the country, has the UK provided any help? Rather than saying that letting 3 million Hong Kong people live in the UK, it's better to say that their wealth is transferred to the UK to support the stock market or social welfare for a while. Suppose these 3 million people are Syrian refugees? Are the Muslims suppressed by Modi's policies in India? Will the UK accept it? 
When China was taking back Hong Kong, British kept saying that Hong Kong would collapse. But the fact is that because of its return to the motherland, Hong Kong not only did not decline, but also successfully resisted the Asian financial crisis in 1997. At the same time, China has rebuilt Shenzhen, a city the same size as Hong Kong, and Shenzhen's GDP has surpassed Hong Kong. In other words, China not only did not let Hong Kong collapse, but also consolidated Hong Kong's international status and economic scale, and even created a neighbor of the same size for Hong Kong. On the contrary, it is the British and American forces that have continuously intervened in Hong Kong affairs that have caused Hong Kong to decline in recent years, making Hong Kong a frontier of ideological confrontation. With constant violent conflicts, various social policies are difficult to implement. If the mainland does not take actions at this time to save Hong Kong, I am afraid it will be separated from China. History is not written by one or two British and American politicians, nor can it be determined by a few media dedicated to anti-China. I can say with certainty that even in another 100 years, Hong Kong will still be prosperous. In fact, while some people want to go to the UK to refuge, the UK is still the largest European investor in China, with more than 6,000 projects and increasing. In other words, the taxes these people pay to the UK and the profits created are in turn taken by the British to invest in China. Creating original content is hard work. Your support is what keeps us going. Please like and share this episode. You can also donate to this channel by clicking the link in the description below. Thank you.